0: The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We're going to be looking at uh, Luke 19 tonight. We are picking up in our series called Redemption Face to Face, and we are coming close to the end of it, looking at all these individual encounters between Jesus and people in the Gospel of Luke. I want to say we're about, I don't know, like maybe 14 in. Maybe number 14 for us. Um, all these just interactions between Jesus and individuals, and so we pick up tonight with one of the more famous interactions, um, and it's one that's only in the Gospel of Luke. And so we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 19. Here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to read the text, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to ask God. We're going to ask God to help us. And then we're going to look at this together. So, Luke 19, starting in verse one. I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Father, we ask that you would help us to know your word, to understand your word, and to enjoy Jesus. So we ask that you would send your spirit as we look at Jesus and how he radically saves the least likely people like us, that we would love him and trust him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I don't know if you guys ever think about um, being a character in a story. Uh, Sometimes we tend to think about being a character in a story that we really like, you know? Like, I don't know if you... You know TV shows or your favorite book. You know I don't know if you're a Jane Austen fan or you know Harry Potter or uh, Lord of the Rings, but you got you know you kind of like put yourself in like the shoes of being a character in a story. You know like, and typically when we think about being a character in a story, we think of somebody that we can relate to, somebody that we enjoy, somebody that in some ways is kind of like an ideal version of ourselves. You know like oh I'd like to be this person, and this person is doing a great job in this story. I'm going to identify and be this person in a story. Um, and so, I mean, I'm sure we could kind of talk through, like, who would the character you'd like to be in a story? Um, you know, like, do you want to be Harry Potter? Do you want to be Frodo? Do you want to be, um, you know, Mr. Darcy? Um, it's a Jane Austen reference for you guys, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. Are we talking the six-hour version? Or are we talking about the one-and-a-half-hour version? Because there's a difference between them. Yeah. But... When you think about like being characters in stories, you tend to think of people that you're like are great people, or you want to be like, or you can relate to. And as Luke is laying out this story, I think he is intending us to identify with Zacchaeus. And the difficulty with that is that Zacchaeus is uh, not necessarily the ideal character that you want to be. I mean. Um, we're gonna look at him a little bit more, but he is our entry point into this passage. He is who we are supposed to be identifying with, and um, he's not the most uh nice guy, but I think while Luke is doing this surprising turn to try to get us into this passage, we are supposed to identify with Zacchaeus. Luke's intention for us to in this surprising move of getting us into Zacchaeus is more importantly we are supposed to be seeing that Jesus radically saves the least likely. Jesus radically is coming into this situation, and he is radically changing Zacchaeus, and because we are seeing him radically change Zacchaeus, we are seeing here that Jesus radically saves the least likely, which is us. So we are going to just be looking at this passage in very basic. We're just going to cut it right in half at verse 6 and 7. And so if you guys would look with me, we're going to pick up in verse verse 1, and we're just going to be looking at first that Jesus surprisingly calls the least likely. Jesus surprisingly calls the least likely. So picking up in verse 1. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he... He was seeking to see Jesus, see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by that way. And when Jesus had come to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down. Hurried and came down and received him joyfully. So here we have Jesus who is passing through. And as we've been talking about the last couple sermons, we've been seeing that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. He has his eyes set on Jerusalem and he is going there. But here we have him kind of doing a pit stop. He is going to Jerusalem by way of Jericho, kind of like somebody heading to Manchester and going by way of Chester. They are going to the main spot. And so this seems to be Jesus kind of going through, passing by. And you might think, okay, Jesus is going through. He's kind of like, you know, kind of like a presidential candidate, kind of going through, kissing the baby, shaking the hands, and moving on. But here, Jesus is coming through. He has an intention. He has somebody specifically in mind, and he is zeroing in almost immediately on Zacchaeus. And so who is this Zacchaeus dude? Uh, We're seeing that he is a chief tax collector. And we talked about this, but he has engaged with chief tax collectors before. But chief tax collectors, the way I think about them, are kind of like the mob of the biblical times, right? You know, the Tony Soprano, if you know that reference. But these are the guys who uh, were running the mob. So the way that tax collectors were set up, Rome would come in, they would occupy land. And then in order to get the relationship moving, Rome would protect the land, but they'd kind of leave the people on their own. But Rome wanted the major deal, they wanted the money. And so what they would do is they would set up, they would kind of like sell off the right to collect the taxes. So, you know, um, if Jay was to be the tax collector of Manchester, Jay would buy the right to be the tax collector of Manchester from Rome. So not only is he trying to get the money, the taxes for Rome, right, but he's also trying to recoup his costs. So he, you know, shelled out, you know, like 5,000 bucks to become the Guy who collects taxes for Manchester, and now he's not only going to collect the taxes from everybody, he's going to recoup his cost. And then, you know, while he's recouping his cost, why not just kind of up the price and start lining his pockets? Because he's also got employees to pay, and he's got a sweet vacation in Disney World he wants to go to. You know, so you kind of you get the idea. It's easily you just start jacking up the prices and start um, extortion and uh, exploiting people's poverty. And so here we have. Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, or a chief tax collector in Jericho. So he was one of the big dogs running the mob, effectively, in Jericho, and probably one of the primary sources, not only of, you know, Roman occupation, like, here's all these bad dudes who are owning us, and they've got one of our guys working for them, but he was probably also the source of a lot of the pain and suffering that people in Jericho were experiencing. And, to make it worse, he's got a Napoleon complex, right? Like, he is a short dude who can't get through to see Jesus. Um, so, Zacchaeus probably was a bit of a scrappy dude. He probably um, was disliked by nearly everybody. I think we'll see that in a little bit. But, he has heard about Jesus. Kind of like, uh, do you guys know David Blaine, the magician? Uh, David Blaine comes to town. Everyone wants to see him. So here's Jesus, does miracles. He's got some cool teaching, coming into town. Zacchaeus is like, I've heard about him. I'd like to see him. He is, you know, so you see here uh, in verse 3, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He wasn't just kind of like seeking uh, to see a spectacle like you might see with David Blaine. He actually wanted, who is this guy? I've heard about him. I'd like to know more about him. Because earlier in the Gospel of Luke, uh, John the Baptist was probably preaching and baptizing in this area and was kind of setting the stage for Jesus. And so now here at the back end of the Gospel of Luke, the tax collectors who are responding to John the Baptist are probably some of these guys that work for Zacchaeus or have been around him. Hey, we want to find out who he is because uh, he he's saying some stuff and he's hanging out with people who, who are kind of like us. He appeals to wanting to know him. You know, so here's Zacchaeus probably getting snubbed, trying to get through the crowd, wanting to see Jesus, wanting to get to the front of the crowd, can't get there, goes, finds up the road, finds a tree, gets up in the tree just to see Jesus. And I think, you know, just to camp out here for a second, I think one of the things that we see here is that Zacchaeus, though he was, his weakness, you might say, is that he is short, can't see over the heads of people, he finds a way to get to see Jesus. Like, There's lots of people in our lives that are just trying to get their head up over the crowd to see Jesus. They might be here. They, you, know, you, you might be here, you don't know Jesus, you're interested in Jesus, wanting to know more about him. That's great. Like, We love that you're here. Maybe you have friends that are interested in Jesus and just trying to get the, a leg up to see who he is, what is he about. We can help people just get a, a, a sight of who Jesus is, not only with their own lives, but just talking about who he is with people. Introducing people to them, we were in the city a couple weeks ago, and um, you guys remember the Crossway team. Uh, They were here. They kind of came through. They come up weekly or annually with the King of Grace, but they're from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They were here. They were uh, helping us kind of do some cleaning up in the city, and so we went and cleaned a park. And uh, by them coming with me, and we were cleaning up a park, a guy walked by and was just like, "Man, this is really interesting. Like, who are these people? What are they doing?" And him and I started talking find out more about his life, share Jesus with him and it was all just because effectively here these were people serving the city kind of giving a leg up for Jesus <laughs> to this guy and then he's interested in who Jesus is and get to talk about Jesus and get to share the gospel with him and invite him to church and get to hang out want to hang out with him more. But I think these physical kind of things for Zacchaeus are a bit of like a picture of what we all need we all just need a little bit of a leg up to see Jesus. So here he is. He gets up into the tree, and as he's walking by, Jesus, com- as the crowd is kind of moving around, Jesus walks by. And what I find fascinating is that Jesus is the one who in- initiates this whole interaction with Zacchaeus. Jesus is the one. Zacchaeus climbs up the tree because he just wants to see who Jesus is. But Jesus initiates this interaction with Zacchaeus. He is the one who says, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus isn't like you know heckling Jesus. He's just kind of like sitting up there like, heck, I want to see who Jesus is, see who this guy is, kind of give him a a dress down. Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus hurried out. Zacchaeus, the one who represents Roman oppression, the one who represents the, the source and pain of extortion and poverty in the city, Zacchaeus, I want you. I'm calling you, Zacchaeus. I won't have dinner with anybody else today. I want to have dinner with you. And it's kind of like, I can imagine this being like we're going to throw a, a Super Bowl party for the Patriots because we love the Patriots. We're just so happy about the Patriots. We, love, we we invited Tom Brady. Tom Brady is coming to our Patriots Super Bowl party and who else do we invite but Roger Godel who is accusing him <laughs> and defaming Tom Brady's name. He is the enemy and we want him to go away. <laughs> but here we have We have have created this context where here Jesus is inviting the very enemy of God's people in Jericho. He is inviting him to go and hang out and have a meal with him. And this is typically the way God works. Typically, God reverses all of our expectations about how he works with the type of people he works, with the type of people he engages with. This is the least likely person in town for Jesus to sit down and have dinner with. And Jesus is sitting down to dinner specifically with him. This is the way God works all the way through the, all the way through the Bible. You have um, Abram, who later becomes Abraham. Abram is a moon worshiping pagan in an in, you know this like backwood town, and God comes to him and says, "Listen, I want you to be the source of my redemptive people," like a guy who worships the moon like werewolf style, and I want you to be my source of redemption in the world. Uh, and then later on, Jacob and Ishmael twins who's the one that gets God's blessing the one who's a heel grabbing deceitful you know backstabbing dude they get named after him um, God uses him to bring his redemption to the world and then God uses a little potunk little people group from these guys you know they got a great Jerry Springer background he uses them to be his, his, his big sign of leading his people out of Egypt to be his sign of, I'm going to lead people out of sin and darkness to redeem them. God always uses the least likely. He always uses the one that surprises. He always uses the people that you can't look at them and say, oh, they deserve for God to use them, right? He is using the people that have nothing to commend them to God. They have nothing that would make them be like a beacon, like, hey, God, you should use me. They are always the people that God uses because they highlight that God's the one who's doing the work. This is the way it works, right? God always uses the weak and small people, always the weak and helpless people to do his mighty, magnificent work of salvation. And so Jesus is giving this gracious invitation to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. Zacchaeus, I want you and me to get to know each other. Zacchaeus, you who don't have any you, you who represent everything that is opposed to God's people here in Jericho, I want to be your friend. I want to sit down and I want you and me to get to know each other. You see, he is wanting to sit down and identify with Zacchaeus. He's wanting to sit down and for Zacchaeus to get to know Jesus. He wants to build a relationship. He's not just calling Zacchaeus like Zacchaeus, I want you to I want you to repent. Because all you're, what you're doing is stupid and sinful. Like, this is not okay. He's not just saying, repent. He's, Zacchaeus, I want, I want you. I want a relationship with you. Zacchaeus, we are going to get to know each other. And I think one of the ways in which we can see Jesus setting a pattern for us is that there's a lot that happens around a dinner table when we get to know the people around us and identify with their problems or weaknesses. We get to know the people who live across the street from us. We get to know the people that we work with. We get to know what's going on. We get to know who they are. It doesn't necessarily get rid of all the problems because Jesus is sitting down with Zacchaeus. There's going to be collateral damage. There's going to be problems. There's going to be messiness. But he's going to sit down with Zacchaeus because he wants Zacchaeus. He has called Zacchaeus to be his disciple. He has called Zacchaeus to know Jesus personally. He has called him, and we... I think should fo- be following Jesus' example and sitting down with the people around us. Sitting down with our neighbors across the street, having block parties, sitting down with people in the park, sitting down with the people that are around us to get to know them, um, and having meals together. I mean, it's just—it seems really simple, like what Jesus does. Like, hey, let's just have let have food. Let's get together, hang out. There's still going to be obstacles. There's still going to be problems. But Jesus is calling him not to have food with him and a meal with him to gain his acceptance. But because Jesus has accepted Zacchaeus, he is sitting down to have a meal with him. Because of who Jesus is and his gracious initiation, his gracious friendship towards Zacchaeus. So so what does Zacchaeus do? He gets down. He's like, Jesus called me. And he immediately gets down. Verse 6. So he hurried and comes down to receive him. Joyfully. He gets, he went to this crowd to get a glimpse of Jesus, and what does he get? He gets Jesus himself. He gets Jesus to personally come down into his life, to sit in his living room, sit down with him, and he gets Jesus. He is redefined by trusting in Jesus. He his entire world is getting completely turned over because he has seen Jesus. Not only has he seen Jesus, but Jesus has moved towards him to love him, to engage him, to call him. And his life gets turned upside down. And because Jesus sees everything... I mean, I'm sure I'm sure this goes without saying, but Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he knows what's going on. He knows, here's this dude. He's the mob boss of the city. He's got... He's probably a nasty, scrappy dude. But Jesus calls and says, I want to identify with you. And Zacchaeus recognizes that Jesus has done something that is surprisingly, radically astounding. And G- Jesus redefines Zacchaeus' life. And his response is he has been freed somehow. And what happens with this interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus, his entire life is freed from his previous identity and he is joyfully united he is joyfully receiving Jesus He is somebody Jesus is somebody that is going to take on all of Zacchaeus's baggage and problem and still love him Yeah you know, I think it's when we talk about wanting friends and wanting to know people we often we often want somebody that can bear our problems with us, that can know us, care about us, see the problems, see the issues, and still still want to be with us, still want to sit down and have dinner with us. right? I'm sure if you guys knew all the problems that I bring to the table, you guys would run away screaming. <laughs> wow. All of the selfishness, all of the anxiety, all of the anger and lust and fear. But here we have in Jesus... Jesus sees everything that's going on with Zacchaeus. And Jesus still wants to be with him. Jesus still wants to be with you. Jesus is inviting you into his fellowship. He he's gonna be the only friend that's gonna know all the problems, all all the problems that you don't even know about. Like, do you ever have friends that you're like you kinda like say, like, yeah, I've been thinking about this, like I think I might have an anger problem. They're kinda like, you think? Jesus knows all of those problems in your life. <laughs> He knows what's going on. He knows the deepness of your problems. And often we want to think, you know what, my loneliness will be fixed by marriage. My desire for a reputation will be fixed by children. My desire for satisfaction will be fixed by a job. All of these problems that we bring to the table, they will never give us joy. It is only Jesus who will know all of our problems, all of your problems will personally come into your life and be able to not only change everything, but change who you are. He calls you to be redefined by knowing him. That's why ultimately we aren't very different than Zacchaeus, are we? Zacchaeus, I mean, what was his problem? He was trying, he, as a tax collector, he was defining and defending his own life, right? Defining who he was and defending it. I'm going to not only define, I'm going I'm to break ranks with, my, with God's people, I'm going to define my own life, my way. And then I'm going to defend it by taxing everybody up to their eyeballs. He's just going to do it, and he's going to stick to it. And we all do the same thing, right? We define and defend our own lives however we want, the way we want. I'm going to do it my way. And that's whether you're religious or not, right? People do it who are religious. You know, they wear their suit and tie to church, and they defend their lives by being super religious. And people know it. It's hypocrisy and that's why people hate religious people sometimes you know there's hypocrites you know they talk about being all good and nice but they're uh you know being mean to their neighbors they don't care about other people um they're lying and cheating and it's across the board whether you're religious or not we are not that much different than Zacchaeus he just happens to be the guy who's wearing it all on the sleeve right he has he has a distinct privilege of being the one that we can all look to and say, man, he is a bad dude. But if you're all to take your hearts and unzip your, unzip your chest, we'd all have the same heart as Zacchaeus, right? He, we are all internally exactly the same as Zacchaeus. And we are similarly in need of Jesus to change us. So there is a problem going on in this text, and the crowd is picking up on it. And I wonder if you do as well. There's a problem going on, and they are picking up Jesus calling, Jesus radically calling, surprisingly calling the least likely. There's a problem with him calling the least likely. And I wonder if you're picking up on it. Let's pick up in verse 7. We're going to look at Jesus radically changes the least likely. So let's look at verse 7. And when they saw it, that's a crowd. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Behold, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So it's, on the one hand, we kind of read this and we think, why would they grumble? Like, Jesus has been so good to him. Zacchaeus and Jesus, they're like buddy-buddy now. This is great. But I think I think it's understandable for the people of Jericho to look at this interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus and be like, dude, what gives? Like, what is going on? Because you, you have to remember, this is Zacchaeus, who has been the sor- one of the primary sources of their impoverished oppression by the Roman government, right? They... The man has been on their neck, and Zacchaeus has been like you know, the sole of the boot. Like Jesus, Zacchaeus has been this, the source of their oppression. And now here is Jesus going to sit in this man's house to have a meal with him. Now remember, Zacchaeus would have been taxing the eyeballs out of these people. And the, f- the money that he would have made from them is the money that would have bought the food that Jesus is about to eat bought the house that Jesus is about to sit in and bought the friends that Jesus is about to sit around with, right? So Zacchaeus's extortion of this entire community is the very thing that Jesus is walking into. So is Jesus is Jesus endorsing this? Is Jesus sitting down at the table with Zacchaeus and sitting down and saying, like, yeah, this is okay? I mean, it'd be like sitting down, like, you know, like you have, like, all these political campaigns going on and, you know, being invited as a donor to come sit down at the table of some candidate and sitting down, at the, I mean, to get a table at one of those convention things, it's like twenty five thousand dollars or some like an astronomical amount of like you know a donation to get in and sit at these tables. And by sitting down at these tables, are you endorsing that candidate? You, you kind of are. You're identifying with them, right? You're you're giving, you're supporting. And so here's Jesus sitting down at the table with Zacchaeus, and they're all like, Jesus, you've been talking about all these rich people who need to repent. Of stealing, and you've been talking about holiness and righteousness, and then here you are sitting down at the table of this dude who's been the very source of our oppression, which you seem to care about. Like, what is the... I mean, so you feel the tension, right? You feel, why is Jesus sitting down here? What's the problem? I think that's the sort of tension that we are supposed to experience, and it is going to be resolved at the end of the text. But in the meantime... What happens in response to this? So everybody is responding. This is not okay, Jesus. What's going on? Zacchaeus, who has now been radically changed, he has he has been changed in a way that we've only seen that he obeys Jesus and comes down and, and stands, receives Jesus joyfully. But we're going to see how Jesus has radically changed him because here he is. He stands up in the middle of this crowd, and I can imagine. I think you know, it's kind of a, it's not clear. Like when does this happen? Does he up and say this? I imagine comes down from the tree, receives Jesus joyfully, they walk to his house, and either on the way to his house or while they're in the house and people start grumbling and complaining, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Jesus, my Lord, you have radically changed my life. And you know what? I'm gonna give half of my goods to the poor. And then if anybody has if I've extorted anybody, if I've if I've violated anybody, I'm gonna restore it to him fourfold see, Jesus has radically changed him. He has radically changed this man's heart so that now he just joyfully obeys Jesus. But what's what's going on here is in the background, you have Exodus 22, verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he must repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So there's this principle in the Old Testament. If you steal from other people, you must restore it fourfold. So four times the value, you need to restore it to the person you've stolen from. So in the background of this, Zacchaeus has definitely had this in mind. Okay, I need to repay because I've stolen. But he's also got this part of like, I'm giving half of my goods away. I mean, Zacchaeus has been totally changed by the generosity of Jesus' affection for him, his love for him. Zacchaeus has been shaped and changed by the generosity that he has received. Yes, he is He is seeking to obey God's command to love your neighbor, to not steal. But he has been radically changed by the generous grace that he has received so that now he, at his heart level, at the heart level, he longs to be generous to other people. Now, this isn't about the whole, this isn't about the money thing. This isn't saying, like, people who make, you know, over $100,000 a year, they need to give away 50% of their income and then give four times you know, food stamps to everybody else. Like, that's not what this is saying. This isn't making a, a, a rule about how uh, rich people are supposed to engage. What it is saying is that here is Zacchaeus who is at a heart level eager to obey, eager to give, eager to show that he is identified by the generosity of Jesus' get, grace to him and not the money that he has. And if you guys remember, we talked about this in our small group on Tuesday. This is in contrast to the rich young ruler, who Jesus said, if you love God, if you love your neighbor, give away all your money, give it to the poor. Again, it's not about the money, it's about the heart, because the man, the rich young ruler, walked away sad. Here's, Here's Zacchaeus, not been told to give away everything, and he eagerly gives away. He's eagerly defined by grace, and his heart has been radically changed by grace. And without being told, Zacchaeus does what the rich young ruler refused to do, and here he is obeying because he is defined and he has received Jesus. The old Zacchaeus, the old Zacchaeus, was probably a crotchety old man who was ruthless, who was a liar and a thief. He was oppressive. He was hardened, and he hated his neighbor. The new Zacchaeus is joyful, lighthearted, eager to obey. He is generous, and he is a reconciler. He he is eager to use the money that he has gotten by sinful means to reconcile and to bring restoration to his his neighbors, to love his the people around him. And I think I think this is maybe why we actually have Zacchaeus' name. It's not usual for the Bible to include the names of everybody. I mean, all these stories that we're talking about with individuals, interaction between Jesus individuals, is that uh, they're typically, like, not named. You know, all the lepers that we looked at, not named. Uh, All the women that we've been looking at, not named. Some of the officials occasionally are named. But Zacchaeus is named, I think, because he became... He was so radically changed that the, the early church knew him. He was a marker. They knew... Here is Zacchaeus. I can go touch him. I can talk to him. He can tell me about having dinner with Jesus because Jesus had radically changed him, and they knew who he was. He had been radically changed from this lifestyle of sin, this lifestyle that had so entrenched in who he was and was a part of his life. I mean, to be a cheap tax collector, he had to be committed to it, right? He had to be totally invested in this oppressive, twisted lifestyle And in a moment of seeing and knowing the grace of God in Jesus, he has changed. I think this should give us hope because there, there there are errors in our lives and there are neighbors around us that are entrenched in lifestyles of sin. That could be anything from an addiction to pornography, an addiction to alcohol or drugs, an addiction or a, a craving a greed to have what our neighbors have a lo- a yearning to be more successful all these ways that we are entrenched in sin all these ways that we are entrenched in opposition to God all of these all these areas that seem absolutely hopeless like the darkness of my addiction and the clicking that I keep doing and the drinks that I keep having and the promiscuity that I keep longing for, they just become so defining that they entrench in our lives and they calcify in our lives. They become just a part of our self-loathing. I want this. I hate that I want it. The only way that I can hate myself less is by doing this. We, these entrenched lifestyles, what are you defined by? What is it that you, if you were to define your life, and if you look at it and say, this area of my life is defined by something that I can't give up. I, can't, I could never give this up. Would, if it's not Jesus, it's an entrenched area of sin in our lives. And in a moment, Jesus looks at it and says, I can free you from that. I can free you from that addiction. I can free you from that sinful lifestyle. I can free you i just i think about our, our our friends and neighbors that are committed to uh homosexual relationships or committed to sexual sins they they need this picture that jesus knows he can he can free that doesn't mean there's not collateral damage and there's not things to work through i mean zacchaeus has things to work through here but jesus can change at a heart level he changes who we are zacchaeus Years and years committed to this area, this the lifestyle of sin. And Jesus steps in, and in a moment, he can change. I think, I think this is something that we should be praying about. I think if there are areas in your life that if you are seeing, you know what? I am committed to being angry at my parents, and I hate them for their, uh, their, the way in which they do not let me do what I want. I am angry at the way God has set up my life. I am lusting after more and more pornography. I am yearning for the escape of a drug or a drink. Let's just, what, maybe we can, after the service or another time, we can. Let's, let's pray for God to free us, to free you from these addictions, to free us from these lifestyles of sin, because it's not that God loves to make us feel bad, but because God loves to free us, to joy in Jesus. Zac- Zacchaeus, that's the thing I love about this, is that Jesus is holding out to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down and know me, and his change results in joy. It doesn't result in a backlashing, I hate myself, self-loathing lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of joy that he's invited into. He is invited to know and be changed by Jesus. Which is why I think one of the major ways in which we talk about Christian growth and change is by seeing Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, I talked about this with the men at our small group, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being changed by a joyful Savior to be like a joyful submission a joyful servant of Him. We are being changed by Him in His joy to eagerly seek us out and to save us, to be joyful in our eager obedience to Him. We need to see Him better. We need like Zacchaeus. We need a leg up to see who He is, to know Him together. That's what we're doing in our church together. We are seeking to help each other see Jesus more clearly. Are you studying to know Him? Are you, are you reading books that are going to help you know who Jesus is? Are you, are you reading your your Bible so that you can see Jesus face to face? Are you are you talking about the ways you struggle to see him or to obey him or love him with other people so that they can pray for you and help you to see Jesus better? I think that one way that we can help each other is just to pray for each other to see Jesus that he radically seeks and saves us. So I think here this is why we are, see- we are confronted here at the end. Verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is potentially the one of the main verses, if not the main verse, of the entire Gospel of Luke. This is who Jesus is for Luke. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Remember, we are on this gospel trajectory. Jesus is taking a pit stop here in Jericho, and we are about to pick up in a few verses after this. Verse 28, he is on his way going up to Jerusalem. Jesus is having this interaction with Zacchaeus in the midst of his road to Jerusalem. Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus. He is seeking him out and saving him on his way to Jerusalem because it is at Jerusalem where he will be tried and crucified, where Jesus, like Zacchaeus, climbed up a tree to see Jesus. Jesus will climb up his own tree to save Zacchaeus. He will climb up his own tree to seek you out, to save you from the wrath of God that he is identifying with as Zacchaeus was bringing Jesus into his home and Jesus was identifying with all of Zacchaeus' sin and muck and problems, Jesus went up to his own tree to seek out our problems, to take on the wrath of God that we deserve to identify with all of the muck and sin in our lives so that we could be joyfully received into the house of God, to sit down at the table of God to be his very sons and daughters. Jesus will identify most deeply with Zacchaeus, identify most deeply with you at his cross that he is going to, where he will, as the son of man, die the death of mankind, that you would be sought out and known and redeemed by the living God so that you would be identified with Jesus and all of his joy, all of his joy in seeking you out to love you and know you, all of the joy of God because he identified with all the wrath of God that you deserve, that I deserve. We are the least likely people, people who define ourselves by all these weird and twisted and broken ways in which we defend and define ourselves. We are the people that are least likely to be saved. I mean, guys, I mean, think about it. This all happened in Jerusalem where Jesus dies in our place, and who would have thought that as he is giving out his last breath that he was seeking and pursuing you in Manchester, New Hampshire, of all places on this green earth. It is incredible that God sought you out to seek you out to love you in the dying breath of Christ so that you would be welcomed into God's friendship and joy. He is seeking you out. Jesus radically seeks the least likely. I think we can trust him. We can love him. We can respond to him. As Zacchaeus received Jesus, receive and trust in Christ, whether you're a Christian,